Hello. The interview you're about to hear was recorded in July, and obviously before the announcement of Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor. So in this interview, there is still some conjecture as to who the next Doctor will be. Enjoy the show. November 1963, the first episode of Doctor Who was broadcast. Little did people know that on that evening, a television legend was born. And now, 50 years and 11 Doctors later, Doctor Who will celebrate its half-century in November 2013. And already, social media, bloggers, forums and podcasters have already begun those celebrations. But why has this show survived? And how has a little British sci-fi show about a man who travels through time and space in a battered blue police box, once famous for its wobbly sets, cheap special effects and occasionally hammy acting, become the global sensation that it is today? In an occasional series of interviews, I'll be talking to fans, bloggers and podcasters and try to find out what they love and hate about the show what their favourite memories are, and ask why has this show about a madman in a box survived for so long. My guest this week is actress, Doctor Who fan and contributor to the Talking Who podcast, Annie Fairfall. Welcome to the show, Annie. Hello, Phil. Please you can can join us. So am I. Good stuff, good stuff. So we're here to talk about Doctor Who. And understand that Doctor Who sort of gave you your sort of your big break into sort of uh, the acting side of things. So would you like to tell us a bit more about that? He rather did. It's starting in the middle of the story, really. Um, I uh, I went last year to the 11th Hour Convention, the Star Fury Convention, yeah. uh, which is run by Sean Harry, um, who is, of course, half of the Talking Who team with LSI. Indeed, indeed. And uh, so I went ostensibly to um, to kind of cover it a little bit and get some interviews and things. And mm-hmm. because of technological issues, that didn't end up happening. Right. What did end up happening a little bit, though, was that I was asked for my autograph <laughs> <laughs> here and there. And, uh, and uh, people were wanting pictures with me and... And wanting to talk to me what, about what I did, and yeah. it was uh, it was odd. And one of the uh, an older fellow at one point um, chatting in the elevator, coming down with me, said um, said, "Are you an actor?" And and I said, uh, "I said no, but I was when I was a kid, when mm-hmm. I was a teenager." And I said, "And you're not associated with Doctor Who because I'm thinking he's in his seventies." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Well, my son's in it," and okay. I said, "Oh, okay." Um, and we got on to talk. He said, but I am an acting teacher. He said, and I've been watching you, and you'd be really good, I right, think. okay, yeah. He said, so if you ever get to Los Angeles, he was a Brit, but he works in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you should come and take some acting classes with me, and we should work together a little bit. Excellent. And he sort of planted this little thing in my brain, and I began to remember doing it and loving it. 
and thinking, well, that's why I'm here anyway, because I kind of love that stuff. And he had to go his way, and I had to go mine. And um, because I was uh, off to uh, a Q&A, mm-hmm. and I went and found my little seat, and they were one short on the stage, and out comes Mr. Morgan Shepherd. <laughs> and he looked at me and gave me a wink and a smile, <laughs> because Fantastic. he knew I had no idea who he was. <laughs> and, uh, and for the rest of the conference convention he just uh, sort of settled up to me every once in a while said nobody's gonna get take my picture unless I'm standing next to you <laughs> <laughs> so he was a hoot and uh, he really gave me a nudge gave me a really big Fantastic. nudge that's a brilliant story that's brilliant <laughs> so are you, are you still in touch with um, Morgan now I haven't talked to Morgan uh, actually probably since then although we have mutual friends it turns out so uh, so yeah. he's heard of what I'm up to excellent uh, and I will get down to see him at some point. So what's that sort of led to for you since that chance meeting? Well, since that chance meeting, um, I, uh, I came back to Canada and I gave it a think for six months and I continued working on Talking Who and yeah. working towards the 50th. And uh, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll go into my local, one of my local universities has a good acting program. And I'll go check it out because there's a part-time program I can take. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did that mid-January. And uh, I did my first uh, 50th Talking Who for William Hartnell. Brilliant. And I plan to do one a month. And uh, mid to late February, I started auditioning. And um, before I knew it, by, um, well, by last week, I'd had been offered and had accepted 15 roles. Wow. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, we're recording this in July, so um, by the time this goes out, there'll probably be even more roles. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, there may be more. <laughs> I have one more audition on Saturday, and then I'm calling it quits. <laughs> but yeah, there may be a couple more coming up. So um, about half are short films, and about half have been on the stage. Fantastic. Yeah. So is this your, your first sort of stage work? Um, in many years. Many I did years. when I was a kid, and, um, and I did television work when I was a kid. Yeah, but that all stopped when I was about sixteen or seventeen. Why, and, why did that stop then for you? What was it? Just you just sort of life grew? intervened, and yeah. you know, I was out on my own, and I had to make my own way, and and um, so often the way of things, isn't it? Yes, yeah. being an actor, we just didn't uh, wasn't going to cut it back then. <laughs> and there were uh, there were a lot of little blue eyed blonde haired things out there. And yeah, tough tough market. Tough tough, tough tough market. Tough market. Yeah. And I just had didn't have the confidence for it. But now you have. But now I do. <laughs> now you do, exactly. Fantastic stuff. Now I do. And yeah, so, I mean. It's a big part of that. Well, that's it. Well, well you know, that's, um, I think Doctor is a big part of everybody's eyes. If, I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for, um, for the, 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 the good show itself. So um, how long have you been a, a fan of Doctor Who then? Okay, this is interesting because I'm from Canada. Therefore, my access to Doctor Who when I was younger was pretty limited. Yeah. I believe I was about, gosh, I'm 10, I was uh, <laughs> in my teens <laughs> when I first saw Peter Davison. Yeah. So he would be my doctor. And, um, and uh, it, he was on the air for maybe a year on mm-hmm. and off. I think they compressed the three years into one. Yeah. And, um, and then I never saw it again. And if I thought about him, I, I think I had known about him from All Creatures Great and Small, but not really not really connected it up. 
Yeah. Um, if I thought about it at all over the years, I thought, and I said this to him the last time I saw him, I said, I thought that you were a really nice actor and, and, and a nice young guy, and I hope that you'd kind of keep working, <laughs> but I never, <laughs> you couldn't find out in those days. No, exactly. He laughed. He said, I did. <laughs> he said, I had kids, so I had to keep going. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't we all, don't we all? <laughs> So, um, so he was my first doctor, but, um, but, um, not my last doctor because, um, because, uh, when, in 2008, when, um, the new series came on in Canada, well, I suppose it had come on before, before that, but we did not become aware of it in my whole household with my kids until 2008. Um, and then we had to start buying the, the, uh. DVDs. Classic <laughs> series DVDs, yeah. yeah. And I remembered Peter. And um, it, it was, I guess, the end of 2008 was, was uh, Time clash, Crash. Yeah. When I was it, able yeah. to introduce my kids to my doctor and to say to them, there was something before. Brilliant. And, uh, and by this time, actually before this time, uh, when I first got on Twitter, um, one of the first people who made friends with me was Fraser Hines. Oh, and, uh, and we chatted off and on. And I think um, um, part of that was because I didn't have a clue who he was. <laughs> so he kind of liked that. And um, so he introduced me to further back mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, and his era. And, and so um, there was a point in time when I was quite ill and, and sort of stuck in bed for a while, for a few months there. And I started to watch the old black and whites. And my goodness, did I learn everything about acting there is to know (laughs) from those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing that everyone says about that particular era. The the, the partnership between Fraser Hines and Patrick Troughton was really like second to none. And unfortunately, not many of those stories exist anymore. So No, it's it's really painfully sad. I do have all of them, and I've watched them uh, over and over again. Tomb of the Cybermen was the first one I ever saw. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, just, just to watch, particularly Patrick Troughton. Now that he's coming back from Peter Davison, he'd be my 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 real doctor because um, uh, Fraser says this about him. People ask all the time, you know, was Patrick like that in real life? Yeah. And Fraser says the only thing about Patrick and the doctor that were the same was their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> the man literally invented a walk. The way he held his hands. The way he held his face, yep. Everything there was commedia dell'arte in there. There was there was every form of acting from method to traditional to very ultra conservative. And he he got it to a point where, and you could see him working it out in the first early episodes to a point where he didn't even have to think about it. it yeah, was exactly. Such a perfectly realized performance. You couldn't see the actor inside. I anyway. think that, I think that's the reason why people are probably so gutted that all his well, most of his episodes have been wiped. Oh um, yeah, yeah, because of because he was an absolutely fantastic actor. He was known in this country well before then as a as, you know as a character actor. Um, yes. So um, he's been in plenty plenty of television stuff before. Before I think he's in things like Robin of Sherwood with there was a famous mm-hmm. actor in the, in the UK called Richard Greenan who was Robin Hood. He yeah. appeared in things Although like he that. Was so first Robin Hood. He was indeed. Yes, he was. Predated him. Yeah. Although there's only one few few seconds clip left of that. Oh no! But, um, yeah, but that, um, yeah, I've seen some of his early work, and um, just uh, to know how 
how huge he was, like how huge his talent was. And you know, he worked with Lawrence Olivier, and uh, and Lawrence Olivier never had a bad word to say about him. Oh, that's and a- he was famous for taking his actors apart. He was indeed, yes. <laughs> famous for it. So, um, so yeah, that was my acting education, in a sense. Yeah, was watching that, absorbing it, relearning, and learning a lot of it. So by the time I got on my feet and got going, hmm. I was, I felt way ahead of the game. Brilliant. And um, and everyone, all of the um, fans from Talking Who and the Twitter people and everyone, Facebook fans, yeah. have. Britain, all my Britons <laughs> have really kept me afloat. <laughs> Brilliant. <That's laughs> because nice. I keep a log on Facebook and everything, and, and they are so responsive and supportive and wonderful. That's what so, you need. That's, I think that's what you need when you're. And all, most, mostly Who fans, too. <laughs> that's even better. That's even better. So, what about sort of some of the other um, actors as well? I mean, what, what's your sort of take on people like sort of Pertwee and, and, and in particular Tom Baker, who sort of basically made. He, I mean, he was. And for many people, still is the doctor. Yes, he's he's the definitive in in a sense because of the time, yeah. um, and um, but but he's definitely an actor that you recognize in the part. Yeah, you know Tom Baker played Tom Baker in that part <laughs> without a question. <laughs> so so if you enjoy Tom Baker, you enjoy that. And I've watched a lot of his stuff. I I, I watch a lot of it, particularly when um, um, we lost our Sarah Jane. Um, yeah, because I did the, uh, the tribute to her. So I watched a lot of their episodes and, um, and that was a wonderful chemistry as well. It was That's- second to none, I think actually. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised she always comes out of any poll of any, who's the, the best assistant or companion, what you want to um, call them for the doctor. Sarah Jane always comes out on top and I, I can't, I can't really can't argue with that. No, really no. Can't. And, I, I mean, I would put Fraser and Patrick, and and um, beside those two, yeah, anytime oh, at definitely, all, definitely, very easily, because um, uh, she was uh, she was quite wonderful. She was indeed and she fun was. to watch, and and she um, she kept the um, um, the companion elevated, the female companion elevated. Yeah, I mean, Zoe was the start of that. Yeah, she was. And sort of the end of the screamy female. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think um, Sarah Jane could have gone back. Take, she could have, um, Elizabeth Sladen could have taken her back to that following, um, oh gosh, and now I've lost her name. Who did she follow? Uh, Joe Grant, Katie Manning. Kate, yeah, Katie Manning was pretty good. Yeah. She was funny. And she followed the original brilliant one the other brilliant one Liz Shaw. Um, that was uh, caroline john yes who yeah. we also lost last yeah. year yeah um and i watched a lot of a lot of their episodes together and th- that's an underrated companionship it is Her i mean that, that 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 particular um series of doctor who was they, they called series seven in, in in old money i suppose you could say <laughs> um that's probably one of my favorite series pertwee's first season with, with mm-hmm. Liz Shaw, I think the stories are fantastic. I thought their their dy- the, the sort of dynamic of the characters was fantastic as well. Um, she was more or less on an equal with the Doctor. She really was, and uh, you know, she was she was much like Zoe, only with maturity. Yeah, exactly. Only with maturity. So where Zoe would just say, 
I'm brilliant. I'm smarter than the doctor. Um, <laughs> Liz Shaw would just look at the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she'd have to say, she'd just look at the camera, deliver her line and look at the camera, and that was the end of it. <laughs> you knew her tongue was firmly in her cheek. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, she, yeah. She played subtle beautifully. She did. I thought I thought she was great. I'm, I'm just sad she didn't sort of go on to, to do more in Doctor Who, really. No, well, uh, she went on to her other things, so... Yeah. So I don't think she she expected to leave, because um, she, I mean, no. she said she was pregnant, so she couldn't she couldn't really sort of continue yeah, that, that kind of schedule, rumor. so... That was a rumour. Well, that's what she says, anyway, when she's been interviewed about it, that's what she says, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but... Uh, anyway, but... Um, Actually, when we're talking about sort of like the sort of like the female companions, um, yeah. it did sort of like go back to sort of the screaming and sort of like especially when you when you took it, like your doctor when it got to Peter Davison, you had like, oh. um, you had Nissa who was quite an intelligent character, um, but and they again, didn't let her do anything. No, they didn't. Um, and Tegan just whined a lot and moaned a lot. Oh, she was whiny. <laughs> oh, she so, was. So, whiny. do you think that was sort of that? I mean, was in your in your eyes was that a massive step backwards? Well, in my eyes, I think um, I think um, that cast, well, Peter in particular, was um, swimming against the tide. Yeah. I, I believe, I mean, it's well known that the BBC was throwing junior writers at it. Mm-hmm. Um, the companions chosen were very young, very inexperienced actors. Yeah. And, um, and um, as... Um, and help have to help me with the name again, the one who played Tegan. Uh, oh. Janet Fielding. <laughs> Janet Fielding, sorry. My fringe brain. I, really, <laughs> I shouldn't have done so much work this weekend. <laughs> um, anyway, um, Janet Fielding has said herself, she's on record as saying that, um, uh, and I think it was about Kinda. Uh, she mm. said she can't watch herself in Kinda because she's watching herself act. Yeah. <laughs> And she said it's just a horrible experience <laughs> because she knows she was acting and she wasn't in it. Yeah. And so, you know, the, when the actors themselves admit that that the quality wasn't there. Yeah, that's it, uh, yeah. It's like the BBC was just trying to take it out. Well, that yeah, because obviously sort of like the 80s was, you know, for many a fan, sort of like the, the beginning of the end. Um mm-hmm. Not just for the, in the BBC's eyes, because the BBC, as you, as you said, were trying to kill the show at that point. Yeah. Um, and you had actors like Colin Baker um, were given a fairly rough ride um, oh, during, yeah. during his time. Um, now, as an actor yourself, I mean, how much do you sympathise with Colin it, it, being in that predicament where basically he was just being handed out by the people who employed him? Well, um, it is it is very true that an actor... Um, and I would imagine, particularly at that level, he felt himself incredibly lucky yeah. to have become the doctor. Anyone would have. Um, but then to be put in in such an untenable position. Hmm. I mean, Peter Davison was put in a similar position. I think for Colin, it was much have been much much worse. Yeah, and uh, it was just right down to making him look ridiculous. Was. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Really, that was an awful costume. <laughs> it was, and they admitted it. Putting it on, and Perry gets to say, "That's an awful thing to wear." He's not going to wear that. 
I mean, they, they as much as admitted that that they were trying to make him as ridiculous a, a yeah. caricature. They were making a caricature of the Doctor. Yeah. And I don't think Colin helped himself by choosing to come off of Peter Davison's Doctor as really angry and grumpy and mean. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think he helped himself there. I don't, I don't think, think that was the right choice under no. the circumstances. It probably wasn't. It was. It was too much of a, a, a shift from sort of Davison's very sort of gentle, introspective doctor, and then you've got this very loud, brash, and arrogant doctor. Yeah. It was very. It was. It was a you know complete about face. Um, no, it, it worked going from going from um, um, going into into Davison mm. because as as he said, um, Tom had taken care of himself. <laughs> yes, so he had done. So he, Peter said he didn't need any of, of Tom's stuff, but he yeah. went back to Troughton and and Hartnell, That's and right, he, he did, yeah. drew from them as much as he could. And I think that took a little while to evolve. Mm. Um, and I I think if he'd had good writing, and he'd been I, he was even slammed with physical rules. He couldn't touch his companions. No. Literally, he couldn't put his hand on the shoulder of Tegan or anybody. Like, he was just, like, he clapped Matthew Waterhouse on the back if he wanted to. So, yeah, that came directly from their producer, um, John Nathan Turner, that the doctor couldn't touch anybody, especially a female. Yeah. Yeah, because no, it, it, it was more of an older brother kind of role they were sort of trying to go for there, weren't they, rather than that that paternal... Hand on, you know, sort of like like Pertwee used to do with which I know if you if you've read Liz Sladen's autobiography, she really hated the, this thing that uh, John Pertwee did. Oh yes, he would put his hand on the back of their neck and, yeah, sort and of lead them, them. Ar- and direct them around, and she really hated that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I suppose they were sort of trying to move away from from that kind of, and plus the fact it was the eighties, attitudes had changed by that point as well. Yeah. So they wanted sort of, you know. Maybe not that kind of that kind of doctor anymore. Yeah, they were trying to, uh, but they really stripped him out by doing that. Yeah. By taking his physicality away from him. Yeah, because... uh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of people who say he's a bit of a bland doctor because of that. Yeah, exactly, and and um, and yeah, he comes across that way because the scripts were weak, and and the companions were weak, yeah. and. He wasn't able to be to physically engage with anybody, and as an actor, I know that if another actor is failing me, yeah, I have the ability to go across the stage and put my arm around them. Mm. I can touch them. I can take a hand. I can stroke a head. Yeah, um, and that will bring them back to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sir. So, and that will bring them to life. And he had none of that control. No, he didn't. No, unfortunately, uh, John Nathanson had quite a firm hand on the tiller. Yeah. That time. Yeah. And perhaps that's why Colin felt he had to be more fiery. Well, I, I know they wanted to see, sort of, over the course of time for his doctor to mellow a lot more. Um, and of course, he wasn't given the, re- the real opportunity to no. to develop the character like that, which he has done there on the Big Finish um, audio stories. Big fan of Big Finish, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, actually, but, I mean, yeah. it, it's a quite surprising. Um, there's quite a few Doctor Who fans who haven't actually got into the audio side of Doctor Who, uh, and in particular, sort of uh, North American 
Well, uh, we North Americans left left radio drama and audio behind when television came in. Yeah. Unlike the rest of the world that maintained it and fed it. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't happen here. So uh, it's really foreign the idea of sitting down and. Yeah. Although when audiobooks came in, they were quite popular, and then they still are to a certain extent. Hmm. So what, for people to listen to podcasts and audiobooks, but I don't know why the um, um, Doctor Who on CD wouldn't. Yeah, because that I mean that obviously filled the gap for a lot of people when the show was cancelled. Um, yeah, you know when sort of you you know you had the uh, sort of you had all your old Target novelizations and the New Adventures books that were written. <laughs> Um, and I think that's why you can honestly say this is the 50th anniversary. It's not the 50th anniversary if we don't count the 15 years they weren't on the air. <laughs> well, that's they it. finished filling the gap. <laughs> they did. So all the books, the audio stuff. Yeah, it, exactly. It did fill in the gap. And I think you're absolutely right. This is why we are now celebrating 50 years of Doctor Who. Um, did you ever think we would be? Well, for me, it's so different because I, I came to it um, so late I never thought originally when I was watching it that we w- would be because I thought Peter Davison was it yeah. I didn't know doctors regenerated <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea so, <laughs> so for me coming in this late in the game really yeah, it's not a surprise because I can see how delighted my, my kids have been by it Fantastic. Now, are they, are they, are they, it's interesting you say um, your kids are into it. Is it just the new series or have they picked up on the old, are they uh, fans of the old series as well, or the original classic as they call it now? They couldn't get into the old series. We tried. Yeah. We tried. Um, my younger one a little more so because he's, uh, he's a movie a day guy and, um, <laughs> and he's fascinated by black and white and silent and things like that. So mm. he's a little more apt to watch it, mm-hmm. but, um, but, both of them, I mean, they they grew up in the um, um, in the age of CGI. Yeah. So uh, to go back to um, um, to the monsters of the seventies for them is just laughable. Yeah, I can, they can't I, take I, it seriously. I, I can understand that. Um, the pacing's way too slow for them. Yeah. Now this this is the thing that um, sort of like the older fans. Um, such as myself, actually, I will put myself firmly in this, this bracket sometimes, that the new series is just a little bit too rushed. Um, now, people say, well, that it's perfect for the modern audience, and, and you're, you're right, they can't take that slow that slow pacing of the old series. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think if they did try that as an experiment now, how much do you think that would, that was, that would affect the audience? To slow it down a bit. To slow it down a bit, yeah. Well, you know, new doctor coming in. It would be interesting to see that happen because Matt Smith has been well, and and David Tennant before him, both ideal at the you know that rapid fire delivery. Yeah, and um, and the writers for the most part. Um, I, I think of the Doctor's Wife. I think I've watched that three or four times, and I get something new out of it every time. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> it moves at such a clip. Yeah, I, I just just um, uh, we do this in the theater. We we do what's called an Italian run, and apparently they did it in the old days. The Fraser told me about it, where you say your lines as quickly as possible. All right, okay. You don't act them; you just say them as quickly as you possibly can get them out of your mouth. 
And that's a part of learning learning the lines. But yeah. these guys do it. That's part of the show. Exactly. For them yeah. to deliver their lines at that pace. And, you know, the, the um, baffle gab, the um, techno babble yeah. has to come really fast and furious so nobody questions it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, I mean, I mean um, by the time this interview goes out, we, we should know who the new Doctor will be. Replacing yeah. Matt Smith. Um, how sad Can I ask I... me who I think it should be? <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, actually, because, I mean, I mean, A, how disappointed or, or glad are you that Matt Smith has gone? I mean, some people are glad he's going. I mean, I personally am not glad he's going at all. I think he's a, a fantastic actor and will be a very, very... Whoever takes the role, it's going to be a very, very hard act to follow. Um, yeah. But what about um, sort of the constant, should it be a female doctor? Um... I don't think it should be a female doctor till 15 when I'm there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're auditioning for the role right now. <laughs> Put myself out there. <laughs> Why not? Um, Why not? I, I think the majority of people want the doctor to stay male. Yeah. And, um, and I think there's uh, romance to that. Mm-hmm. And um, for, for a lot of different reasons, um, there's continuity. There's um, there is a romance about him. He's sort of the, despite the the fact that he's been a romantic, more romantic character in these new yeah. series. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. The fact that he's untouchable, basically, that he's an alien, that you know, he will never be able to love a human the way a human loves him. That's is, right. Uh, yeah. That's there's something very attractive to that in in that, and um, so um, I don't know that that would play the same way for a woman. Possibly as not. The but the woman is the doctor. It's just a different dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I think it should be given a shot at some point. <laughs> I think it should do. I think it should do. Um, I, I, I just don't. I just don't know if, if the large majority of Doctor Who fans are actually ready for it and um, they've no, been pretty vocal pretty vocal yeah. um now as we're sort of on the subject of vocal fans um is there sort of any section sort of like fandom that sort of kind of disappoint you because they do sort of this the show which which they are supposed to love and have watched for years they're, they're very oh. very critical of it i know as a podcaster i'm also critical of it i try and be a little bit more obje- sort of objective about it you know uh, <laughs> Um, so does that disappoint you when you sort of like, you, you, you know, as, coming from an acting background, you know how much hard work that goes into, that, that, that an actor will put into a role and then you'll get someone who will just come, well, I thought they were bad because of this and that. And Well, I, I believe that um, as actors, if you're going to talk about our acting and our choices, like yeah. I was talking about Colin's choices, yeah. um, um, we put ourselves out there. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and... And we give ourselves away to you. And then what you do with the characters that we create is up to you. Yeah. And um, if you don't like them, um, if you want to argue about them, you know, because there's a pro <laughs> and a con, you can't have cons without pros. Exactly. Um, then in a way, that doesn't have anything to do with me <laughs> as yeah. an actor. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I just want to know if sort of like um... – 
with anyone sort of take it to be quite hurt if they could read some of the comments or hear some of the comments that were being made, whether they would sort of take that personally or they could, as you say, they could just remove themselves oh, from it. Well, um, Fraser and Patrick had to put up with that in the in the late sixties mm. when it was deemed that Doctor Who had become far too violent for children to see. And there was Mary Whitehouse. <laughs> yeah, know? she really hated Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and getting her teams together, to, you know, to bring that show down. <laughs> yeah, she was, Anybody going to watch was, it was going to go to hell. <laughs> she was relentless. So, she really was. She was. And so, you know, um, it's a tradition. Yeah. It's a tradition to um, to debate these things. It is. And, it is, and, it is, and yeah. it's a fun tradition because it means it's alive. It's like yeah. the question, "What what is art?" Well, if you're talking about it, it's art. Yeah, exactly. And, and art is a, it's a pretty broad definition as well. Art can be many, many things, can't it? Yeah, it can. But yeah. as long as when they stop talking, when they stop arguing about Doctor Who, when they yeah. stop fighting about it, then they stop caring. Then it's going to go. Yeah, that's it. It's always had the threat of cancellation over its head, always, since it since it started back in the 60s. It's always been, you know, someone in the upper echelons of the BBC have um, sort of decided, you know, you know, this is no good, it's rubbish, it's cheap. and Well, well that's because know. the Canadians started it, so you always hear these things. <laughs> indeed. He did, indeed. it's true. It is true, it is true. <laughs> well, I think that's what constantly amazes me, because it, it, it started as this little sort of cheap science fiction show in the, in the UK and all of a sudden it's a global phenomenon since 2005 onwards and, and I think to a lot of older fans it's um, I can say it's difficult to take because I think they like it to be that little niche show that nobody ever watched it was it's a very very sort of personal personal mm. thing um, I mean do you think sort of like the making it how it has gone global can sort of make it or break it really because at the moment it's making the show do you think yeah. it does have the, the, the reverse effect? I think the concept of Doctor Who, hmm. the kernel that keeps it going, is what keeps it alive, yeah. no matter how big or small. And that if the stories are well written, if it's well played, mm-hmm. it's just going to keep going to keep going because it's a renewable resource. Um, it, it, it's based on such a wonderful piece of imagination and science space and time yeah what can't you write about within that framework exactly so it's limitless i, I it, don't really? think it matters that it's gotten massive because i mean oh look at any movie series jurassic park went on for what three four films yeah and everything was dinosaurs um but it played itself out mm. because that's all it had to talk about that's right <laughs> Um, even the Star Trek franchise um, played itself out on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we they did. took it yeah. to the they took it to film and rebooted it, and it's worked just fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it it's limited to space. <laughs> Indeed, it <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, you can't do much else other than that, really, can you? <laughs> no, and and plus, I mean, they've got a whole military structure. I mean, the Doctor's just Doctor. Yeah. So the, the the simplicity of it, and and the the um, um, the playground you've got with space and time, you combine those two things, and you've got generations of writers. 
Oh yeah, exactly. I think that, I think, ready that, for that, it. That, I think I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there. That's that explains its longevity. Yeah, and generations of people to discover it. Yeah. I mean, I am. I I was very saddened. There, I had to do three tributes last year uh, to three wonderful actresses. Yeah. And um, but I realized, you know, we're going to lose more and more of them, but we're also going to lose those fans. Indeed. Yeah. You know, 50 years from now for Doctor Who's 100th birthday, nobody's going to be here to talk about no. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the 70s. <laughs> oh, no, I'm I mean, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's actually quite sad because that's always sort of the 70s was sort of like the golden years of, of you know, of Doctor Who. It's very, you know, very widely regarded as that. And, you know, maybe what we're seeing now, with, what we're, if, you know, in sort of like 10, 20 years' time, that will now be viewed as the, the, the golden period of Doctor Who as well, especially when it comes to someone like Matt Smith and David mm-hmm. Tennant as well. I mean, it's insanely popular when um, David Tennant was, uh, was, was in the TARDIS. It, it, that's you, that's t- what really boosted it. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and technologically, God knows, 50 years from now? Um, uh, I mean, William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton... All of those, uh, they they could all be alive again on the screen in new stories. You ne- yeah. you never know, do you? you it, never well, know. The, with the way animation's going, yeah, you know, the the more realistic it becomes, it could all just reboot itself. It could regenerate, regenerate itself. Regenerate itself or degenerate, <laughs> really. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, all of those stories could end up adapted for the modern age. Oh yeah, definitely. With those original actors. Oh, in well, a way, you're giving them ideas now. <laughs> I, <I'd laughs> well, copy, you never know. I'd I'd copyright mean, I, that quick. I don't think Doctor Who is killable. That's well. The only people who can kill it is the BBC, and let's let's certainly hope they don't do that. No, I think they know a golden goose when they see oh, one. I think so too. On one. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you said sort of like just a minute ago. You said about you did like three tributes. Was I mean, was that sort of for Talking Who? Yes. So yes. how yeah so how did you get involved with the Talking Who guys? Obviously, you said you went to the Eleventh Hour Convention, um, which was sort of run by. Okay, I'm going to blame that on Fraser a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, chatting with Fraser, and every time I had a chat with Fraser, I ended up with like twenty or thirty or forty or fifty more followers, or whatever. And uh, <laughs> not that we ever chatted in huge amount, huge chunks, but <laughs> but then I fell into this whole group of people talking Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and. Um, and uh, eventually, um, Elazar came in, Talking Who came in yeah. to say, we really love your tweets. You're a lot of fun. Would you yeah. like to be a contributor? And I thought, a contributor? You know, we're a video bod- pro- podcast. And they, they explained yeah. it to me. Would you like to do it? Do you have a camera? Do you have a microphone? And my kid was standing there. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Yes. <laughs> Sure. So that's just how it started. It's as simple as that. They just and uh, so I was their first contributor, and wow. and then we got Mother Who, and and we got um, Barry, and um, and I'm ashamed to say I haven't done anything since my William Hartnell, but I'm going to make up for that when the conventions happen here. <laughs> Get them as many um, as many uh, interviews as I can. Excellent. Excellent. But uh, acting has overwhelmed my my Hoobian career. Yes, as you said, real life gets in the way, doesn't it? It does. Although yeah, I hope I hope um, 
that uh, um, I'm enough in the good graces of uh, Big Finish that uh, that at some point I might be able to do some work for them fingers as crossed. a voice. Fingers, that'd be brilliant for you, wouldn't it? That'd be absolutely fantastic. To actually sort of star in something connected to Doctor Who would be... It would be, actually, it would be a particular dream to work with Big Finish. Yeah. Not just because it's Doctor Who, but because, particularly during that difficult time when we lost those three ladies, um, finding information on them was very, very hard. And they had all three worked with Big Finish. So Big Finish, the guys there, they gave me photographs. They provided me with personal stories, um, memories, uh, just whatever they could. They were so, so incredibly generous that um then just proved themselves to be wonderful people oh that's, so, that's brilliant you know i i just can't think of anybody i would rather work for well i mean i think and that's tied to doctor who is just a blessing <laughs> <laughs> well i think everyone that is sort of like, who has worked with big finish so they're absolutely fantastic people to work for and apparently they do fantastic lunches as well oh do they? yeah <laughs> yes i've heard about their kitchen being messy sometimes <laughs> Well, I I, <laughs> well, I think um, that's a good time to um, to finish. It's sort of like that's your dream to work for Big Finish. So I think we should we should, we should end there. Annie, that's thank, our big finish. That's <laughs> our big finish indeed. So Annie, thank you so much for um, for joining me and um, and, and giving up uh, some time with your your very busy schedule at the moment. <laughs> yes, I I have a few hours off. It's rather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all the more grateful for uh, for donating your time. That's absolutely fantastic. So um, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. You were listening to the Hoosie Podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He Podcast Facebook group. The Who's He Podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.